Thank you for tuning in to the Strength for All podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Reposh from Johnny Reps Fitness. And today, I have George Ramos. George has competed in Ironman events. Ironman events are the most insane single-day endurance events ever created. You bike for over 180 kilometers. You swim for like four kilometers. You run like a full marathon. It's all in a row. It's just crazy. And George went from being an entirely sedentary person who had not trained for anything like this before to being able to compete in an Ironman event in a few short years. If you're a beginner, don't turn this off right now. We're going to offer practical applications for this type of stuff in your own training. I appreciate all the support. Thank you for listening. I hope you really, truly enjoy this episode. George Ramos has probably biked, swam, and ran in combination in a single event. This is this is a guarantee. He's done all of those things longer than any other guest I've had on this podcast. <laughs> so what I'm saying yeah. is George Ramos is an Ironman competitor. He competes in Ironman races, which is an ultra long distance event. I'm not exactly sure exactly what an Ironman is, and I'm sure a lot of people listening may not be either. So the good way to start this podcast would be George, why don't you first give us a quick intro to yourself, and then tell us exactly what is an Ironman. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. Well, we'll start with the second question. What is an Ironman? So an Ironman is, uh, it's an, as you said, it's an ultra race. Um, if you, it's a triathlon, basically. So if you think of an Olympic triathlon, when you see in the Olympics where you swim, bike, run, an Ironman is basically, uh, hold on a second, do the math, one, two, three, four Olympic triathlons back to back. So the actual distance is a four, uh, four kilometer, sorry, three point eight kilometer swim in open water, followed by a um, hundred eighty kilometer uh, bike ride, uh, and it's always going to be hilly. Like they always somehow find the, the worst places to go. Uh, followed by a full marathon, forty two point two kilometer run, back to back, no gap, like nonstop. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. And then me, myself. So my background is, uh, you know, I really wasn't into exercise uh, for my whole life. And then when I turned 40, I started thinking about exercising. And we can get into this in more, but, you know, about 43 is when I found Ironman. And that really gave me the motivation to exercise. Um, and that's what put me on the journey. So it took me about three years to train to do my first um, Ironman. Um, so that was about uh, six years ago. Wow. So... So we're talking. We're, we're talking about an Ironman. We're talking. All these things are done. Is, is there any break between them, or is it like you just go like you immediately go from swimming into biking? You, or yeah. Swimming? Perfect question. Yeah. So so you start swim in a like I said open water in the lake. Um, you get out and you're in a wetsuit usually because it's you know the water's probably cold. Um, you know you get out and after your swim and you you have a transition and then transition is timed as well. Like the clock doesn't stop. So when you get to transition, you have to rip off your swimsuit and get into bike gear instantly. So if you can get it like under a minute, you want to be able to switch, get on your bike, go. So, you know, food, drinks, you know, everything is done while you're moving on the bike. Um, if you have to go to the bathroom, there are stops as you go, but ideally you try and minimize your stop. So it's nonstop. You finish your bike ride, another transition again, you know, ripping off uh, whatever's like your helmet, everything and getting into run gear and go, go, go nonstop. Could, is it, has anyone ever like worn their wetsuit to go biking or anything? There are, so it's, no, it's a fair question. It, depending on the temperature, um, there are, you know, lighter wetsuits that you can put on or swimsuits rather. And, and you can get sort of like a hybrid um, bike swim um, uh, suit. And the only issue is that uh, you, the padding, you want to get padding on your butt, right? So if you're going to go with the, that hybrid uh, tri-suit they call, then you have less padding so that it, it wicks or, or rather it, it dries uh, quicker because you don't want to sit on a wet suit all day, right? Um, but yeah, on, on a cold day, you wouldn't do that. Cold day, you really want to switch completely, put dry clothes on or else that bike ride, and I've done it, that bike ride is frigid, like it is brutal. I'm guessing that's probably something you would only really do if you're like super competitive and interested in winning, I guess. Like if you were like, I really need to save that one minute it takes me to transition suits. You're right. I mean, for, for that's a fair. When I say, you know, like the one minute, you know, that's at the competitive level. Most average competitors like myself, you know, we will take a few extra minutes, maybe three, four minutes at that transition, you know, catch your breath, get a little food, you know, just 
Because it's yeah, because you're about to like you just got out of a you know an hour swim. Now you're going to go another five hours on bike. So you know an extra minute or two on a, a 14 hour day, not really a big deal. Um, but it, there's there's this energy around that transition where people are coming and going. So if you're just sitting around chilling, it it it, it, it doesn't occur to you to slow down. It just you got to go go go. You actually so in training we actually train transition as well. Okay, you train transit. It's, it's, so it's kind of like a, oh, yeah. it's like a pit stop in NASCAR. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I had coaches, and I can talk about that. I had different coaches, and and one of them was an overall tri- uh, triathlon coach. And we literally went to you know to the to a park, and we we got in the water and trained, getting out, removing your wetsuit, getting into uh, like putting your socks on when you're wet. Like how much like how much do you do? And there's even some like rules around it. For example, you can't even touch your bike until your helmet is on. You can actually get disqualified. So there's rules around how you do things. So you actually got to practice because in the moment, you're going to forget little things and you can be disqualified for the silliest things. So, so they would disqualify for you for that? They wouldn't just say like, hey, hold on a minute, go back a se- 10 seconds or something. Take a d- it's, it's that discretion, but it is, you know, there are uh, things that you can get uh, fine, like fine, um, time penalties. So there are things like that, but there are other ones that are more grave that you can't be disqualified for. So that one could potentially be a time penalty. If you totally don't have a helmet, obviously that you're not going to be able to race. So there's, there's a lot of re- rules that you do definitely have to abide by. You can't skip the helmet phase. You have to have a helmet. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, that's a, that's a very clear one. You, yeah. uh, you can't, you can't even uh, t- like literally touch your bike unless you have your helmet on. Like it's a, it's a big one. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds it sounds very intense and like something very few people on the face of the planet would want to do, to be honest. Yeah, 1% of 1%. Yeah. So how did do you I don't know if this is a question you would know the answer to, but how did the whole Iron Man thing start? What's the history on that? Why like who would want to do something like this? No, that you know what it, it... I think most people that do Ironman will actually you know, do the research on it, and uh, and so basically it started in Hawaii, which Hawaii is uh, is a you know a military base camp for the U.S. Um, and so there were you know I forget the exact people that were in the room, but you know there was a, a, an argument as to which division of of you know, the military is is the most fit. Is it is it Navy? Is it Army? Is it you know like you know is it the Navy SEAL? Like who's the most? It's fit? not the Navy. I'm just kidding. Right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, but, I, meant to say, so, I meant to say it's not the Air Force because that's what my dad was in. The Air Force, yeah. So they're all like, who's the most fit? And they said, again, so we need a competition to identify who's the most fit. And so being in Hawaii, they said, look, we'll take the top race of every discipline, swim, bike, run. So we're not going to just do run. We're not going to just do bike. We're going to do all of them. And whoever survives it, and, and this, is, this is where they're working, whoever survives it will be called an Ironman. That's it. Like, so it wasn't even about completing it and, and being the first. It was just surviving it. Wow. So that's where it started. It was a, I think it was about ten people. So those guys are like, you know, the gods in in, in the Ironman industry because like they started this. So they're still around, and and you can you know meet them in various events. So it hasn't been around that long. About uh, what when was that that it started? That was the seventies, actually. Okay. So that was actually yeah. that was actually around the time my dad was in the military. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And actually, I, I don't know, but would this predate Iron Man as in Tony Stark? I'm not sure. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know about the comic books, but as far as mass media, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Iron Man as a character, yeah. I'm not sure. I think Iron Man may have originated in the 60s or 70s. I'm thinking the same as well, yeah. I think the character goes back, but uh, I don't know that they were thinking, you know, Iron Man, <laughs> that connection when, when they came up with the term. Very good. So how many Iron Mans have you done? So I've done, uh, as far as a full Ironman, the distances I mentioned, I've done one, which is in uh, Montreal, Quebec. I've done a number of half Ironmans and uh, and a number of uh, Olympic and even sprints. So there's quite a, a few distances. Uh, a full Ironman, for me, I'm not, you know, I'm just like an average Joe. You know, uh, it's going to take me 14, 15 hours, and it's brutal. It's painful. It takes a lot of training to get to that level. It's not easy to maintain that level of fitness. Um, a half Ironman is about, you know, all of those distance, about half, I can do about, about five, six hours. That's much more doable. I can, you know, I can do a half Ironman, you know, go to another city with my family, do that half Ironman, and then still have enough energy to spend the rest of the day being a tourist. But a full Ironman, I'm done, <laughs> I'm done for the day. How, yeah. So how many half Ironmans have you done? Uh, three. 
three so, half iron man. okay so so one full three half and then a bunch of other like small and then a bunch of small ones in training like, like the olympics and the um and the sprints gotcha gotcha and yeah. you said you went over to uh, Montreal to do that, right? And then they have the swim. So when they do the swim portion, that's actually in a lake. And then the bike portion, you said it's not like a track. You're not just like doing like laps until you accumulate no, no. 180 kilometers. It's like you're actually going out on like rough terrain, sometimes hilly. Yeah, it was, uh, it's in Mont Tremblant. So if you've ever been to Mont Tremblant, there's a lake. I think it's called the Tremblant Lake. Um, so what it was, it was like a 3.8 kilometers swim. So it was 1.4 kilometers straight out. And then you you turn around and you and you shoot back for another 1.4. And it was funny when I did that swim, you know, I had they give you a map you know, before you go you go out, right? And I had it that it was 14 uh, buoys, right? So you got to hit 14 buoys on the way out, right? <clears throat> but I had it that it was it was um, seven out, seven in, 14. Like I had this in my head, 14, 14. And then I got to number seven, and I'm like, how come I didn't turn around yet? And it was like eight. I'm like, oh my God, it's not 14, it's 28. It's 14 buoys out, 14 back. I was just like, oh no, I'm never going to finish. It was just like psychologically, it was, it's, it's a hard race. Uh, and that's, that's the biggest thing with these races. It really is a lot of psychological to keep going. Uh, and especially my Tremblant race, I'll, I'll mention that in a bit, but you know, I got hurt during it and I could have quit because that was like I, I was limping and I just perceived, per, uh, continued, right? Persisted. So, you know, that's, that's the mindset of, of someone who does an Ironman. They're just going to finish no matter what. So tell us about – that would be a good segue to go into that. Tell us about the Tremblant race mm-hmm. and what was the – what happened on the day of the race? Like what – you said that at the beginning you – you know, you misjudged the pylon or how many, how many buoys you had yeah. to hit. And then I know for me – because sometimes you get in this mode where you're like, as soon as you're like, I, you think you only have to do this much, and then you realize you have to do double that. Your your mind really only has two responses, and that is one is like, I'm done, I can't do this, and the other one is like, fuck it, I don't care if this takes the rest of the damn day just to do the swim, I'm getting this shit done. <laughs> Those are the only two options. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, the, sw- the swim is the first leg, um, and and like I said, I, I thought it was, it was 14 total, not 28 total. So, you know, when I got to that seven, it, you know, it, it, it took something to continue. Like I literally, you, know, you could, I, t- I think I actually pulled over, not pulled over, I, I stopped swimming. I'm just like, okay, I could do this, you know, refocus. But, you know, hitting that seven and then hitting eight, you realize you're not halfway, you're at a quarter of the way. And that's, you know, that's a long, long distance to, to keep going. And, and the way they do the race, the swim, it's by waves. So it's by age wave. So my age wave was maybe, you know, 100 people. And then there's another wave behind me. Um, and sometimes they have younger waves, so they're a little faster. So you're swimming, swimming, swimming. All of a sudden, this wave catches you. Like what I wave, I say a wave. You know, a hundred, you know, twenty-year-olds catch you, and they just pass you like a wave, <laughs> and literally like over you, under you, like pushing. It's just like it's it, it. It really is a tough race, and I'm glad it took me three years to get there because. In doing that, I did smaller races. I got used to being trotted upon during the swim, you know, being pushed under. Because in the beginning, I would swim on the outside, away from all that. And if you do that, and I, because I have my Garmin, all those sensors, you end up swimming a longer race. So it's inefficient. So you need to swim in the middle in the pack. Um, but then it's scary. So you know, that was the swim, um, and that was it. Was good. It was a good day. We started about 6 a.m. <clears throat> Come out of the race, and that took me about uh, an hour and 20 minutes swim. Come out of the race, and they have, they actually, Tremblant, they actually have strippers. Like, they have someone to actually help you pull off that wetsuit. Yeah. Uh, they call yeah. them strippers. Um, so you do that, and off you go to the bike. About 10 minutes into the bike, it started raining. And I mean, like, pouring hard, like, like hitting, hurt, like, like hail. It was tough. It, it was so, so wet, and we had to keep going, and it was uphills, downhills. What and, was your time uh, on the swim after you were done? Um, I, have to, I have it over there. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. Mm. That, um, so you're in the water uh, for an hour. And, most people are like, oh, I go in the water for an hour and 20 minutes if I'm like in a hot tub hanging out or if I'm, I'm you know, going to chill in the pool with the kids yeah. and I'm getting kind of pruned. and I gotta, that's, that's exhausting for them. We're talking about swimming almost four kilometers nonstop, for an, nonstop for an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, nonstop. <laughs> so exactly. after you're done with that, you get the strippers to rip you out of this wetsuit that's like, you know, because obviously it's so, you know, ingrained into your body at this point from almost an hour and a half of swimming. 
that you, you need people to help you get out of it. And then you're like immediately onto the bike and it starts pouring rain. <laughs> exactly. So I'm now on the bike and the bike, like I said, it's, it's you know, it's, it's Trombla, it's uphills, downhills. Um, and, you know, even though it was raining, you know, you keep going, keep going. And it, luckily it wasn't a brutal cold, you know, day. So it was manageable. Um, what time of year then, was it? That would have been uh, September. Mm-hmm. September. So um, September, it was September so way through the race. So the, the bike, so I'm just trying to remember. The bike is two loops, okay? So two loops of 90. Right at the, near the end of each loop, near the, the, the last 5K of each loop, is this, uh, this hill. I think it's called Mont uh, Duplice. It's, it's literally straight up, like about 18 degrees, and it's a chicane, like in and out, in and out, right? About 15 in and outs. So you can't even get good momentum on the way down because you're like you're like in and out. And and it's still raining. <clears throat> so I'm coming down this hill. Sorry, no, I was going up the hill. I was going up the hill. And the, the back wheel slipped and my knee, my, my leg went down and my left knee popped sideways. It went and popped back in. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. That's never happened before. And uh, okay, I kept going. I got to the transition. I checked myself out. I'm all good. I start my run, my marathon, and about five minutes into the marathon, my knee just whoo, just blew up, and I just started limping. So imagine I'm like two kilometers in to the to the marathon, and now I'm limping as bad as like 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 Terry Fox, like bad. I'm like now what do I do? So luckily I knew I had enough time. You know my marathon time is about four and a half hours. So you know I figure I had about seven hours like left seven, eight hours left, that even if I slow down, I can still finish. Because they give you, here's the thing, they give you 18 hours to finish the race. So, I, you know, I, I, I kept going, even though I was limping. So what happens if you're like, you get to the finish line at like 18 hours and three seconds? Are they like, nope, you didn't finish? <laughs> they you're cut done. you off, wow. Oh, they cut you off. And it's funny, I mean, it's not funny, but I mean, I, you know, I, I uh, completed that race at about 15 hours. And so let's say 18 hours, 17 hours, 17 hours if they cut off, sorry. Um, and a lot of people wait to the finish and we wait. It's about midnight. We wait to see who's coming in and they tell us, oh, there's about three, four people still out there. Let's hope they make it the cutoff. And, you know, there's a couple that come in right near. We're so excited for them. But, you know, there's still a number that never finish. And you, as you said, even if it's three seconds, they don't finish. It's, they're not an Ironman. And it's tough. It's tough to do all that training, do all that work, and then not be an Ironman. Because the experience of it is when I cross that finish line, the announcer literally says, George Ramos, you are an Ironman. And it's like, whoa. Like the, the feeling of that is unbelievable. So, but you, want, you have to earn it. Yeah. So how much money did you win? <laughs> There's no money. <laughs> not at all. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, just to just to sign up for Mont Tremblant, it's a thousand dollars enrollment. So it's an expensive sport. I mean, I've tracked how much I've spent in those three years, and it's a lot. Between training, you know, just one bike, you know, all of nutrition, I tracked how much I spent in three years. And and like I said, I didn't go nuts on anything. It was about twenty grand, twenty grand to get to Ironman level. So it's it's not not a cheap sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but but the thing is. It's it's a hobby and it's kind of like your pastime. And uh, if if you if I told you if you told yourself three years before that competition if you said hey it's it's gonna cost you're gonna do an Ironman and it's gonna cost you twenty thousand dollars over the next three years what what would you three years prior have said to that? Well, I mean, as you said, it's 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 over time, so it's not a big deal, you know, because it's not just over one year like that was over the three years. But it it didn't come from the financial side. Like my motivation, actually, let's that's a good point. Let me go back to that. My motivation where where this came from to do an Ironman was, you know, I said after I turned forty, I started exercising, uh, but I was doing things like you know P ninety X and in which is a great program. Like I, I did that intensely for three the three months, and I did notice my body change. Uh, but then after that, you know, John, I did nothing. I just like, okay, I'm done. So then I took like a year off. I'm like, that that doesn't work. So I did it for a few years of just doing, you know, spurts of exercise. And then I'm like, there's got to be a better way. So at 43, a buddy might say, look, you know, I know what's wrong. What's missing with you? You're you're very competitive. You need to compete in, to to motivate you to train. And I said, great, that's a great idea. You know, what do you recommend? 
And he's like, you need something crazy because you're crazy. You're like, you need to do Iron Man. I'm like, okay, what is that? I'll do it. <laughs> it was just that's how it came about. And so I was 43 when I said I'm gonna do an Iron Man. And and there's another story there that I didn't know how to swim. I didn't have a bike. I've never run a competition. So it took a lot to get to the to do that. So did you when you say you didn't know how to swim? Do you, I mean, do you mean like you didn't know to swim at, how to swim at all, or you didn't know how to swim like competitively or like correctly? I mean. Uh, you put me in a pool and I could doggy paddle to the other side. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that whole, you know, swimming like a proper stroke. I couldn't put my head in. I couldn't breathe underwater, bilateral breathing. I, I could, you know, I could tread water like doggy paddle, but that's it. You know, so I went in to get lessons. Uh, I joined a master's program here in, um, in our community. And I showed up for the master's program. And in order to be there, you had to be able to do 100 meters in two minutes. And so she's like, let me see your pace time. Like, no, 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 no. I'm going to doggy paddle to the other side in two minutes. Like, it's, no, no, this doesn't work that way. She goes, oh, no, you can't be here. This is the wrong program for you. I said, well, I just need to learn, like, basics 101. Um, and so she, so the coach said for me to wait. There was another class after the master's program that I could fit into. And so I waited for an hour sitting. I, was, I looked like this today. I was just sitting on the, on the deck waiting, cold. And then an hour goes by. The next class comes in. And I'm like, this is a problem. There's these 10 and 12 year olds coming in, right? So yeah, so I, I trained with these guys for about uh, nine months with these 10 and 12 year olds to learn how to swim. And it took me about three months to just learn bilateral breathing. That just, just that, that, that simple little thing, it's not simple, but that, that took a lot to actually do properly. Uh, and then about another month, so about the four month mark, I actually beat a kid in a speed race. Wow. And I was just so excited. Like I beat a 10 year old. It was like, what a day. It's like the episode of Seinfeld when Kramer went in the karate class yeah. with all the kids. The karate. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's exactly it. I literally was that guy. That's incredible. And the kid, the kid said, you beat me. I'm like, I'm supposed to. I'm bigger than you. So my arms are twice as long as yours. Right? I'm supposed to. These kids, these kids weren't like novice. They wasn't like their first year. They weren't 101 they were a little further along they were actually very competitive wow and that's incredible because i think when you talk to a lot of people and they they hear they're an iron man just sounds completely insane like even running a marathon sounds completely insane to the average person and then they like when you talk about that you started from essentially your starting point was like sedentary normal dude who didn't really do anything in your 40s was your starting point that you were still able to do this that's yeah. incredible. Well, Jonathan, on, this, on the run side, you know, I, I have a neighbor who, who runs uh, a lot of marathons. So I went to him and said, hey, can you give me a little, few pointers just to get started? He goes, well, let's just see where you're at. So uh, let's just do, you know, I said, he goes, go out 15 minutes. I want you to do walk for a minute, jog for a minute. 15 minutes, come back, and let's see where you're at. So it was walk, jog, not even walk, run, walk, jog. I came back in 50 minutes. I was panting. I'm like, I was almost near tears. I'm like, oh my God, that was painful. How am I ever going to run a marathon? Like, I, he goes, don't worry, we'll get you. And sure enough, you know, over time you build up that volume and, and you get there. But well, yeah, my, my fitness level, even though I was thin, was horrendous. Like it was just non-existent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's cool. That's, I mean, you did the path and you made it uh, on your own. Well, with help, obviously, yeah. but with, you know, you are, you still took the initiative and put in all the work to get there. And I think a lot of people see that, that space because they're like, I'm over here and like, you're like off the page seemingly. And the fact that you can get there no matter where your starting point is, is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think what helped, uh, Jonathan was knowing my goal was that Ironman and having a clear path that, you know, each year I knew what, what my milestones were, um, and having coaches that helped me put together, uh, you know, a regiment of, you know, this is the training schedule. And, and that kept it really simple. You know, every day I had two workouts um, and I tried not to miss one because if I missed one in the morning, it means I had to double up in the evening. That's, that was my psychology. That was my punishment. Oh, now I have a double in the evening. Um, so, so I always tried to maintain my schedule and that looked like, you know, some days it was, it was run day. Right. And I look outside and it's pouring rain. I'm like, it's run day and I'd go out in the rain and, 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 and you, and you do it, you get it done. Um, because a, a, an Ironman doesn't get canceled for rain. Right? It only thing that would cancel, I believe is lightning. Um, but that's it. So, you know, if it's raining off I go, but it, that only worked because I knew I had to maintain my schedule to hit my, my, my marks. Wow. 
So you did mention a little bit about this, but what is kind of the training process for the Ironman? Like, how do you train for an Ironman? You said you, if you have a run day or a bike day, how, what would a week look like? Do you have like a periodized program? Do, does it like move forward yeah. in different, give us a kind of an overview of what that looks like. In the, in yeah. The so up to, and then maybe before, it, like I guess there'd probably be two phases, maybe right. There might be a prep phase, like if you're leading up to a competition, then just general training, maybe. Yeah. So the um, yeah, knowing there's a race coming, then you you work backwards from the race because you do need to um, you know the, the the last few weeks you ease up a little bit, right? Um, yeah. But you know up until there is what you said, like it's periodization, it's loading up, um, but in a week, like I said, there's usually about two workouts per day, about fourteen. 14 to 18 workouts, um, depending on, you know, also my schedule. Cause you know, obviously I'm, I'm working as well. 14 to during weekly, you're saying weekly. Okay. Yeah. Weekly. Um, and I'll describe that, but, uh, luckily during that time I had a, I had a, like my job, I was very independent, so I could do a midday run. I, I was very, it was very flexible. Uh, I wasn't working, you know, like 50 hours a week, like these days. So, you know, I had that flexibility. Um, so what it looks like then it was um, about three runs a week, uh, three to four runs a week, uh, but three run, three bikes a week. And and when I say the runs, the runs you know some are longer, some are shorter, obviously depending on on where I'm at. The the bikes, the longer bike rides, the four or five hour bike rides usually on the weekends. Uh, probably, you know do one Saturday and Sunday, and then some shorter ones throughout the week. Um, and then you know visiting the gym uh, every other day. Um, busy in the gym and then, you know, doing legs, arms, uh, swimming three times a week. Um, and then interspersed in there would be, um, you know, I did yoga as well, um, that to keep everything limber. I I kept doing, um, um, some, you know, calisthenics some kick, you know, jump training, um, just a bunch of things. Even it did a a little bit of kickboxing, had a, a, you know, a little video routine that I would follow. there were scheduled ones like the swim, bike, runner are fixed. But then the, the yogas and all that, it would depend on, okay, today I feel like, oh, I need a little bit of yoga I need or, or more weight training. So those were, were, were put in there. Um, so on average, I'm doing, you know, at least three hours of training every day. Wow. And when, so that's going up. Yeah. And when we're but, talking about the, the bikes, the runs, the swims, how, what are we talking about in terms of like intensity and distance duration for these? Um, a little bit of everything, right? The, you know, the runs. So, you know, even though the goal for the run is a, is 42 kilometers, you know, the longest run I ever did in training, I think was about, I want to say 34. I never did a full 42 in training. Um, and there was a psychology to that. I mean, if ever, you probably know about the tra- like training methodology, like I, I, doing a 42 kilometer training, then I, it, it affects my ability to, to train the next day. I, I need a rest day for a couple of days. So I didn't want to miss a, a training day because it was seven days a week training. So I couldn't maintain that kind of volume uh, in training. Um, so, you know, maybe, you know, near the end, those last month, I started to get my volume up past 25 to 35 in that range. But normally my run, runs are about 20 to 25 kilometers. Um, if I'm doing a, a shorter one, like let's say I have an hour, I'm doing, you know, a, a 10 to 12K sprint. Um, and I mean like an all out 10K. Um, and that's like I said, for my shorter intensity, like a hit training. Um, the bikes, if I'm doing a shorter ride, I probably would do on the trainer as opposed to going out if I only have an hour, then that, because that could be much more intense on the trainer. Um, if I'm doing a long ride, obviously I'm going to go out, uh, on the roads. I used to take the bike out up to near, near like past Canada's Wonderland and go from there north of Weston. Um, no one, no one, no one who listens to that podcast, this podcast knows where that is. <laughs> very, oh, very few people. Oh, fair enough. God, fair enough. So I used to go out, I take, I like I'm in the city. So I used to take the bike out, throw in the car and drive out to the country. So it's a, it's just a quieter area. Uh, but these days now I just, I just ride from here because I realize the time it takes to get the bike, go up there, takes me about an hour. I could just bike there in the same time frame. Like I'm meaning not that I, I, I'm as fast as the car, but the prep time to get the bike ready and installed, I could just start riding. Exactly. It's like, it's <laughs> right? like driving to the airport versus taking the train. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that was it. Uh, what else as far as training, uh, run, bike, swim was, swim had to be scheduled because I, you have to actually book a time, book a lane. So that, that had a lock time, and I always swam at 8.30 uh, p.m. 
uh, at night at the at the, our local club here, um, and that was you know with our training club. Oh, and that was the other thing. I joined a, right from the beginning. I joined a training club, the Toronto Triathlon Club. Uh, and that really helped because I was so novice. I didn't even know how novice I was until I got to experience uh, this club and actually joining their group rides, going away to training weekends with them. And really like, like even the clothes I was wearing was wrong. And I, you know, I had it that it didn't matter, Excuse me, but it does matter. Like the clothes you wear makes a difference. Um, and I can have a, have a few stories on that as well. But, but yeah, I was really, really novice. I, I didn't have the right language. Uh, I remember going to my first training club uh, up in Collingwood, and it was raining on the first day. This is literally the first season I was just I started out. And I said, oh, I guess we're not riding today. It's raining. And everyone looked at me like, what are you, an idiot? Of course we're riding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little rain. Which can, the green's not going to hurt you. Right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just so, like, amateur. Anyway, but it's, it's just funny. It is what it is. Be well to go through that. Wow. So I think... I want to backtrack a little bit to when you were talking about your your training, and I think I want to interject my own opinion here for a second. And this is yeah. one thing that everybody gets wrong about about training. And you said it's it's very very important. Like you're doing 42k in your competition, you never actually did a 42k outside of competition. This no. is something that is tr- no matter what type of training you are doing. If you are doing powerlifting, you almost never max out. In the gym, you max out in competition. If you are doing a ultra go. distance event, you do not do the full event in compet or in the right. gym. You save that for competition because yeah. it is a very high fatigue demand to do this. And exactly. if you do it, it will create a very large recovery problem that will affect your next day of training, which will then affect exactly. your next day of training, and it's just a domino effect. The idea of effective training is each workout builds on the previous one. You want to give yourself just okay. enough stress to where your body adapts, to, but to where you're still back to baseline by the next workout, your baseline is just slightly higher. If your baseline didn't go up or if it, if it went down, which is what happens when a lot of people just train way too much in one workout or, or up front, especially novices when they start out because their baseline is essentially nothing – it yeah. burns them out real quickly. If you don't have the drive and you don't have the mentality, yeah. it burns you out very quickly. And on top of that, if you're looking to get superior athletic performance results, that's also the wrong way to train. <laughs> I just wanted to yeah. interject my own experience there. Having that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Josh. I mean, I also, because of the, who I am, I mean, the, the kind of person I am, I, I like in my industry, you know, I never, I didn't mention that I'm in the insurance industry. I'm considered, uh, you know, from a, a knowledge level, one of the experts in an industry that other financial advisors come to. So that level of being an expert in my role, I brought that over into this training and I really needed to know everything about, you know, what, and what it takes to become an Ironman. So during the course of my training, I actually became a certified Ironman coach. I actually took the program. I did all the certifications, did the, what are the, the, uh, the, the uh, NCCP, what is it? The, the, are you talking about the, the NASM the, the, the or the NSA? What, what? Yeah. They, they, the Ontario coaching designation, I, forget, I did that as well. So I did all of that just for my own. I'm not going to train anybody, but for my own knowledge. So all this stuff, you know, you know, tapering. Tapering doesn't mean you stop. Tapering means you, you know, you ease up so that you, you, you reserve some of that for the race. So all of that, you know, uh, nutrition. I mean, nutrition was such a big, it's almost a separate uh, uh, course. Like, like there's swim, bike, run, nutrition is how a lot of tracklings uh, talk about it and you got to get that right because a lot of we call it bonking because we're out there for so long you know 10 to 15 hours that if you don't hit, get nutrition right or if you overdo it or underdo it you can bonk and and just you're, you're done for the race and you don't complete so that was very conscious of not 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 having that happen so yeah so that's another big one too yeah and it seems like you moved from this point of complete novice not even knowing that you're supposed to run in the rain and not even knowing how to swim not even yeah. you know being able to jog for 15 kilometers where you're only jogging at half of it is a struggle. 15 minutes. Sorry, 15, kilometers. My bad. 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To to doing this for because I I know basically everybody who's going to be listening to this podcast you, I'm not sure there's anybody if if you are leave me a comment or a, a story or sorry not leave me your story in a comment or a rating or whatever um, if you have done an Ironman. But if there's someone who's looking to get into the world of ultra endurance events or looking to even use this or similar types of training to improve their fitness, what would your advice be for someone just starting out who's maybe like you, a very average person who is not not fit and yeah. fairly sedentary starting out? 
Well, I, I mean, for me, you know, having a goal is what really motivated me. And that's, you know, in this last year of COVID, that's really affected me and probably some of my friends in this in this space where, you know, we don't have a race, we don't have a target. And so that, that affects our motivation to train because, you know, that's that's why I train is for that end game. You know, I, I guess some people train and that training in itself motivates me. For me, it's the competition. Um, so know yourself. Are you training? Uh, you know, in the, so the training itself motivates you. Do you need that competition? Do you need that target? Set that milestone and, you know, and break it down. You know, my first year, you know, my first race was within, you know, uh, a few months. Um, is it one, two, three, four? Yeah, about five months in, I did my first uh, triathlon, which was a short, really short try a try. And like a try a try is like you can get it done in under an hour. It's a really quick race, but it gives you the experience of it. And then from the try, try, go to a sprint, and then you get to an Olympic. An Olympic is more like two hours, two and a, you know, two and a half hours. And you slowly build up. You know, I, I obviously I couldn't do an Ironman that first year. It wasn't even a conversation, right? My wife's like, how are you ever going to get there? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, everything in life to me, everything in life has been learned. You know, a doctor wasn't a doctor once. He learned that right the fastest most amazing you know athlete at one point never did a race like so you just as long as you have that view everything is possible and don't try and, and make yourself wrong that you're not at that level just you know what baby steps what's the first target you know you know five to six months out what's that target look like and break it down and get coaching you know it, it, the coaching made a difference because you know you can go out and run and you think okay running is just one foot in front of the others. It's just, it's, you know, bike, just pedal. So all these things seem simple enough, but then really when you get into coaching, you're like, okay, you're not landing well. If you, if you change your foot stride or shorten it or, you know, your posture, um, you know, I'm sure with weightlifting, like there's a lot of specific how you hold things, how high, you know, you know, how you grasp it. Like the coaching makes a difference. Just changing your posture, changing which muscles you're firing. So it really does make a difference to get it right, not just train, train, but to train perfectly. Yeah, and and my personal opinion on on what the most val one of the most valuable things that you can get through coaching is the fatigue management thing that nobody does, very few people do right on their own instinctively. Of I need to like manage fatigue so I make progress and then make more progress and make adds up. That's how you go from point zero to point one hundred is through making progress and managing fatigue to where you're not constantly overreaching to where you discourage yourself to, yeah. to me in terms of like the actual like programming side of training that's the most valuable thing you can get out of a coach um yeah. what, what type of coaches did you work with during this time you did kind of mention that but you didn't say like what specific type of coaches or trainers yeah. you worked with yeah so the first coach i brought on board was the swim coach like i had zero swim ability so that was uh, step one um, then I had, I mentioned I had a neighbor who was a uh, marathon runner. And so I asked him initially for a few pointers and he just stayed with me throughout the whole time and, and became, you know, my, uh, my running coach. Um, the cycling coach, uh, also came from the triathlon club. Um, that one, he wasn't just the triathlon club. Sorry. He wasn't my cycling coach alone. He was the overall triathlon coach. And he helped me with transitioning. He helped me with just the experience of what it means to be in a triathlon. Um, and I remember going out uh, with him for my first open water swim. And now at this point, I'd, I already had some, you know, in pool lessons. And I went with him to Milton uh, Park. Uh, and he said, okay, great. You know, here's, you know, I had my wetsuit. I put the wetsuit on. It was even, a, I didn't even bought one. It was a rental wetsuit. I had a rental wetsuit and uh, I put it on because, okay, great. And, and, and there was, a, I don't know, about 10 of us that day with him, with this coach. And he said, okay, everyone swim out to the middle of the lake. And then wait there for further instruction. I'm like, what do you mean wait there? I, I'm going to drown. Like, I, I, I can't just wait. I got to keep moving. I had it that I, I couldn't stop. Yeah. Right? And he's like, no, no, no. The wetsuit is going to save you. Because the, the wetsuit has like five millimeters of, of whatever. like uh, Buoyant material. Thickness, thickness, whatever it is. Neoprene or whatever it is. Um, anyway, so I got it there. And I kept dog paddling. And he's like, stop. I want everyone to just put your hands. Do not move. I'm like, I'm going to drown. Anyway, that was when I did that and I bobbed about here and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go under the wetsuit saved me. And that to me was a shift that having that coach force me to do that. Now I was confident that, okay, I'm not going to die. 
<laughs> right? But he forced that outcome, and that's uh, so I'm grateful for that. But yeah, so those three coaches, and then finally my fourth coach, which was in the third year, I probably should have had her sooner, but I brought on a nutrition coach in my fourth year because I realized I, I was getting tired. I wasn't able to. Now in the third year, my volume is up quite a bit, and I needed to really figure out my nutrition, um, both food and water intake. You want to take in just in as much water as you need because you don't want to hit the bathroom too often. Yeah. So, you know, how much should go in, how much should go out. And then if you take too much water, then you need more electrolytes or salt intake, salt tabs. So you, it's, it's a science to and, really get right. And, and you right? probably figure that like you have to individualize it based on yourself. She probably gave you like general parameters, but you probably had to adjust based on what you were doing or no. Am I yeah. right on that? Yeah, on the water side, there was actually a test like how to actually achieve the right amount of water. So we did that to figure out. The food was very personal. There's different types of food. Some people like those gel packs. Some like need real food, and they make you know little little uh, balls of, of whatever they they're into. Matzo balls. Um, you know, banana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so you know it is very specific. And and but the other thing the coach said is really you know change up your food regimen. Have different things because during the race. They're going to supply you with food, but what if it's something you haven't trained for, or or if it's something that you do train for, and then after you know six seven hours of that same food intake, you, you can't consume anymore. Your body's like rejects it, which happens, and that happened to me during my triathlon. I got to a point I'm like I couldn't take any more gel packs. I was just dying, and it was about the ten hour mark, and it, and it was starting to get dark. Actually, it was a little further, so about twelve hours. Started to get dark, and they started giving out uh, soup. So it was not soup. It was just like a chicken broth. It was just like a flavored water broth, warm. Oh my God, that brought me to life again. It was so amazing. I'd never trained at that. It was so amazing again. But yeah, so those are my four coaches. Yeah, because that's awesome. And, and I guess the reason that you know you're stuffing yourself with the same bland food. One of the things that I was taught, my powerlifting coach told me was he was like, you know, between your lift attempts, if you need to like eat something, just don't eat something you wouldn't normally eat, right? Like, don't just throw in, like, random stuff because someone told you it's good for performance, like, on that day or something like that, right? Because it might... No, you can't... Yeah. You don't change anything on race day. Yeah, because it might it might disagree with you in an unpredictable way. Like, you want everything to be as predictable as possible. It's not like, you yeah. know, you don't go into a race, like, you know what your baseline performance is and you have an idea of what you're going to do before, like, long, even, like, weeks ahead of time in training, you kind of, like, knew approximately yeah. what your time was going to be based on how you were working up to it. Right. And you're like, yeah. you don't want to change anything. You want to keep everything as consistent as possible. So, well, even the nutrition, you know, I have obviously like a Garmin, not obviously, but my Garmin watch, right. Uh, which is a triathlon uh, watch. And I set a timer for every 20 minutes to go off. And every 20 minutes I had to consume either a gel pack or drink some, uh, some electrolytes. Like I had to have an intake because by the time your body reminds you, Oh, you're hungry. By the time it reminds you, now you're going to eat something. It's going to take 20 minutes to process. You're going to your 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 fitness level is going to drop pretty quick. So you got to be ahead of that. So every 20 minutes, something's happening. Right. Yeah. You got to you got to yeah. eat before you're hungry, essentially. Exactly. So exactly. And you're going to forget in a race. So that's why you have to automate that. Yep. So I have some quick questions. We're kind of running out of time here. I want to. Um, I want. I have like some questions you can answer in 60 seconds. Coming up right at you. Are you ready? Go for it. Okay. So first, what is your best memory either competing in or training for an Ironman? And what is your worst memory either competing in or training for an Ironman? Uh, the same event, Trombla. The best is crossing the finish line. And when he says, you know, you are an Ironman, I literally cried. I, even now I well up. It was the most emotional. After three years of training to actually accomplish that, what an amazing feeling. Now, the worst moment was in that same race. It's the, the run is a loop, so it's it's it, you, you, but the loop comes back through the finish line. Like you come in down, everybody is there, you know, like all your friends, all your family, everyone's there, and you come in, and this way, sorry, this way is the finish line. This way is to the second loop, and people are cheering you, thinking you're finishing. I'm like, oh crap, I got to do this again, and you're leaving. It was so tough to leave that, knowing you have another 21 kilometers. Like, oh, that was hard, and I was limping. So that that was the worst. Moment. So it's really a moment, uh, a, a day, and an experience, an event of highs and lows. Very, very high highs and it was, very, very. It really was. Very, very low lows. Um, okay, 
What's your? You said you do some weight training. You did a little bit of weight training. What's your uh, yeah. in preparation for the, the the competition and before and after? What is your best squat, bench, deadlift, and overhead press? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't really focus on that. It really was more of a, an overall. Uh, I did the, the, the fitness machines uh, more than free weights. Um, I, I did. I, I didn't have. Uh, I usually did the weights on my own, so I didn't have anyone spotting me. So I didn't. Getting injured to me is always the worst thing that I'm, I'm worried about. So I did. I maybe it's just me. I avoided free weights. I always did the 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 the, the machines, the butterflies, all those. So I stuck to that. Gotcha. But that, that's just yeah. a question I ask like a lot of people. I, I'm kind of asking everybody that now when they come on the podcast. Nice, nice. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, what, what when you work out? I'm assuming you probably listen to some music or something like that, right? Or podcast. What, what do you do? You listen to anything when you work out or when you're in competition? No, nothing. I know I've tried it. I no music, no podcast, nothing. And I what happens? I find that when I do listen to music or anything, I, I get into the zone of the music, and I then my my style, my technique falls apart. And so you know when I run, I'm always paying attention to my pace. My, how my foot lands, you know, traffic, you know, when I'm, you know, swimming, everything, like literally how your hand enters the water, uh, like by not having any of that, I'm, I zone in to the training. That's my experience of it. So no, no music, no podcast. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Do you know who David Goggins is? Yeah. What's, uh, what are your thoughts on David Goggins? Um, how so? What do you mean? I don't know. Uh, Training philosophy. Do you think he's? I think he's pretty funny, but I don't really know anything about his training philosophy, to be honest. Well, um, the guy. Well, I'm trying to think the name. Oh, I should grab my books over there. I, you know, I follow a, a number of, of um, Ironman um, leaders in our industry, and there's this one. Oh, I'll get you his book. I'll tell you later. But um, you know, what I'm looking for when I you know look for these uh, these coaches, these these athletes out there. I'm looking for stuff that I can bring into my world. And as you said, a lot of these guys are like playing at a different level. So, you know, for me, the biggest it was nutrition that I looked at. You know, how do these guys eat? How do these guys maintain that? Um, you know, you know, are, are they, you know, do they have someone to make the food for them? Like, you know, that's not the kind of guy I want to follow. I need down to earth kind of regimen. Um, but yeah, a lot of these guys, I'm not at their, at their level as far as training. A lot of them are pure athletes, meaning they don't have a job, which, you know, doesn't compare to most people. Um, but like I said, the food is really where, what I sourced from these guys. Um, you know, the electrolytes, which brands that they like, why they like them. So that's, that's what I always looked for in those guys, you know, menus. My wife was really good. She's a great cook. So she took on some of those menus, um, for us. So that was, that was helpful as well. Mm. I asked specifically about David Goggins because he kind of seemed like a similar because t- I don't think he started doing ultra distance events until he was in like his late thirties or early forties, similarly. So that's the only reason. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I also I also think he has a bunch of funny uh, YouTube videos and he's been on Joe Rogan and stuff. Uh, so uh, you mentioned in an interview with FitAfter45.ca that you yeah. wanted to set a good example for your daughters is one of the reasons why you started training for the. Uh, the Ironman type stuff are any, are, are yeah. they into athletics at all? At the time they did get into, uh, you know, one of them was into volleyball. So, you know, when they were younger, we were able to, able to cause that when I say younger, you know, you know, 10 years old, you know, they were doing ballet, they would, they would swim, they would do a lot of different things. Now that they're in their, you know, mid teens, now it's up to them to do, to do whatever they want. Um, no, there's no one's trading in the house. Um, but yeah, when they were younger, I could still have that, have that impact. And, and I remember, you know, while they were doing all these different programs, you know, I was doing nothing. And, and like I said, it felt like a, a hypocrite. So at about 40, thinking, well, that, you know, not only being a role model, but secondly, um, you know, it's probably a good time to, to get my own fitness in health because uh, in check, because, you know, after 40, I, was, I had that, you know, I, even though I'm thin, I'm not healthy. So I should start doing something for myself to be healthy. So, you know, the combination of my own personal health and being that role model is what caused me to start. Awesome. Yeah. I only, I only really have one more question to ask you, I guess, in that case. Um, what is something that you want everyone in the world to know in under 60 seconds? The, yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest thing in, in accomplishing Ironman, if we stick to this, uh, it was the journey of it it's it's knowing that i had a big game to play um 
And that kept me on track. You know, a lot of people will start exercising and, and fall off or join a gym and not maintain that. And I think what's missing there is why. You know, why are they exercising? Why are they training? What's the big game? And sometimes it's not just, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Does that really inspire you? Does that really motivate you? You know, maybe it's, I want to lose weight, but I, I want to, you know, get into a size X, whatever, you know, bathing suit. And I want to be in Jamaica wearing that bathing suit. I'm like, you know what? That's a big game. Let's, let's go. We're going to go to Jamaica. If you can hit that bathing suit, right? You know, you know, for me, it was competition. But, you know, have something that's not just, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Oh, I want to be healthy. I get that, right? We all know how to lose weight. We all know how to be healthy, but that doesn't turn anybody on. What is actually going to motivate you? Having that why on the difficult days, the days that you don't want to train, when you remember, no, no, I already bought the bathing suit. It's ready to go. We're going to Jamaica. I've already booked the ticket. <laughs> this has to work. So then you, ha you will train no matter what because you have the why. Get your bacon sizzling. Find something that gets your bacon sizzling. <laughs> exactly. You need that. All right. Yeah. George, thanks so much for appearing on my podcast. Uh, do you want anybody to find you on social? I usually ask people at the end if they if they have social media links or anything like that, if they, you want people to find you or do you just want to be left alone? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, they, they can look. I'm on LinkedIn or Facebook. You can look me up. Uh, but uh, no, it's not a big deal. You're, not, you're, you're telling me you're not a social media influencer. <laughs> not today. No, maybe someday. Not not today. No. Maybe sometime in the future. Okay. But thanks, thanks a bunch for coming on, George. Um, this has been episode 37 of the Strength for All podcast, and we will see everybody next time. Thank you for tuning in to episode 37 of Strength for All. If you made it this far, I'm assuming you really like the podcast. Leave me a positive review. Shoot me a message on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or even on Spotify if you can do that. And tell me what you think. I appreciate all the support. I appreciate all contact I get with people who are listeners. Tune in next week for episode 38. Actually, it's two weeks. We release bi-weekly. And until then, I will see you next time.